I'm Jackie Patton, Managing Director of Inkblot Creative, a new and very different communications and marketing agency. I'm so excited to be back with Series 3 of Stay Connected, where I have got the absolute pleasure of chatting to another fantastic group of business leaders, creatives and everyone in between about how they stay connected. We chat about big goals, important relationships and holding on to a sense of purpose when what's going on in the world isn't always in our control. I can't wait for you to join us for these conversations. So tune in every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher for the next free episode. And if you're enjoying these chats as much as we are, I'd really love for you to leave us a review. This week, I'm talking to Emma Louise Veach, the founder of All Things Customer. Apart from being an expert on All Things Customer, Emma's also raised over £61,000 for the Teenage Cancer Trust and Jersey Hospice Care. And in this episode, I find out more about why BATS yes, you heard me right, we're the hardest customer of all. So sit back, relax and grab a cup of tea. This is Stay Connected. Emma, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I am so excited to have you with me today. Emma is the founder of All Things Customer and we met through kind of a mutual friend a little while ago and um, it was so great to have you join me for series three and as ever whenever we start an episode I ask my guests to bring along an object that they feel really connected to. So what object have you brought with you today? I have actually bought a little horseshoe Look at it, it's tiny. I know it looks a bit rubbish <laughs> on camera. Um, but when, when you said sort of bring an object, I was trying to think, you know, what would I bring? And to be honest, this is this item just kept, you know, I just kept thinking it has to be this little horseshoe, which I've actually kept in my purse for maybe like 15, 20 years. I'm not actually sure how long it's been there, but I mean, it really has been that long, which is pretty crazy. It's pretty battered, as you can see. Um, but horseshoes for like my family are just a bit of like lucky charms. And my mum will say you make your own luck, which I do also believe. But behind a radiator in, in our family household, you'll always find a horseshoe. Why behind a radiator? I don't know. It's just some of these things, I don't know where they come from. It's like a tradition, isn't it? I think it's sent from my dad's mum to my nan. And I think she had it and my dad's obviously followed it through. And, and I don't know, I must have picked up on that as a child and, and have kind of embraced the tradition. And we've never had horses, no farm. There's no horse relation. Can you it's see what my next question we're going to be? horse <laughs> <laughs> link in your family? No. Um, but definitely the, the tradition of it. The, the lucky obviously you're not supposed to have them upside down so really the fact that it's in my purse being flung all over the place is probably not that lucky but it has been there forever and I f- tried to work out a few years ago where this actually came from I don't know if you can see it. it's plastic and funny enough we think it might have come from my mum and dad's wedding cake when they got married like 30 odd years ago now they're not married now so that isn't so lucky but I find that quite interesting that it, that's where it could have come from. That's I mean? amazing. And what a cool thing to just have with you. All the time. It's quite random, but, you know, there we are. We all have our little ways. We do. And it's cool to think that it's kind of like you said, that thing that you've probably absorbed as a little kid. And then you kind of feel like you need one in your purse to that's take around with you. Yeah, if it, if it brings luck, I'm all for it. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The little superstitions of things and yeah. you kind of, oh we could just stop doing that and then you think oh do I want to risk it oh, 
don't point risk in it, is it? I'm not going to take it out. In fact, this is the first time it's been out in years. It's going straight back in after this. <laughs> you don't get any bad luck for coming on. I'm blaming you. <laughs> right. you Thank you. Um, so you mentioned your mum and dad then. So you grew up, yeah. is it in Surrey you grew up? Yeah, so born in London um, and then, yeah, outskirts of um, London, Surrey, Croydon, that type of area. We lived there. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I was brought up and worked as I was old, obviously. Um, outskirts of London, again, to kind of Tunbridge, Tunbridge Wells, Maidstone, Seven Oaks, around that kind of area. Tunbridge Wells, I went there in November. That was my last little, the only place I went in 2020. <laughs> Was really nice so pretty so So, um what was it like kind of growing up in that area and what what was your family like and stuff was it just you and your mum and dad or you mentioned your nan so yeah well as as our sort of family that lived together if you like so yeah mum and dad and my brother who's a bit younger than me six years younger than me he now lives in Norway so we lived um yeah we lived sorry outskirts of London quite normal upbringing I think you know both my parents own their own businesses um and you know I was always quite proud of them for that and that was probably part of my kind of aspirations for you know wanting to you know have my own business potentially um so yeah both successful in their careers my mum did was a like print she did print amazing Um, (laughs) <laughs> probably not you know so used it anymore but yeah she had a print, fa- print factory in Seven Oaks and my dad used to have a perfume perfume um kind of factory here and fragrance um Hubergon was the name of it it's sold in Harrods and uh amazing you know, what cool job it was yeah I was yeah you know not many daughters if you like would have their dad tell them what perfume they should and shouldn't buy and what makeup was quite funny it definitely was unique um, <laughs> I'm a bit obsessive about the way things smell yeah oh he he well he could talk to you for a long time there we are there's another another person for you to interview he doesn't do it anymore he's obviously retired but yes they did um had some some quite well-known fragrances at the the time for particular markets more sort of France um Dubai America rather than necessarily the UK market but it did sell in Harrods so it wasn't the UK market. I just find all of like scent and how your brain registers and all of I just find it absolutely fascinating I think if I'd have like had my time again I would love to have done something around that. It is really interesting when you know my brother and I were younger we did used to go and sort of like haul up in this factory obviously get like 5p for making purple (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know driving the forklift around all the things you wouldn't be able to do anymore um, yeah can you imagine putting a kid on a forklift <laughs> didn't be a factory shut down. <laughs> um, but it was good you know all the smells and things like that and when you know mixing them all together and things like obviously we didn't mix them but there was all the bits you know and we could play with them yeah it was fascinating both of them had really fascinating businesses in their own way that's so cool and like you say interesting that both your parents kind of were doing their own thing and then you've ended up running a business too yeah whether that's got something to do with it I don't know they were both very career focused um and that has definitely rubbed off on my brother and I it has to have done you know I think we've seen how hard they work I I certainly aspire to it my brother also you know he's an engineer and he moved to Norway um six years ago and you know he's doing well as well he sort of enjoys you know he's very married to he's married to his work I should say um so I think definitely that kind of uh, strong upbringing of like 
you know, going to work and earning your money and that kind of thing. That's yeah. definitely rubbed off on all of us. The work ethic of it. Work ethic, that's the better word of saying it, yeah. And what about at school? Did like did little Emma like did you enjoy school? Or were you annoying at school? What were you like at school? <laughs> I suppose I don't know if I was particularly academic really. You know, I was much more kind of, you know, logical and you know the common sense approach but not necessarily your sort of a grade student bright star in that kind of way um you know quite sociable <laughs> um, so chatty. <laughs> very chatty um and you know i did i sort of i'm trying to remember really it was, it was kind of nondescript in some ways you know it was um you know i wasn't top of the class i wasn't bottom of the class you know maybe maybe in the middle it was really really sporty um you know it was always really good at you know pe um running and swimming and i did used to swim actually i used to swim for surrey um and that was one of my um you know things that took up quite a lot of my time so i think i focused more on the sport you know running you know long distances and swimming for the county and all that kind of thing that was really where my passion was when I was at school so was that kind of was PE your favorite subject then was that yeah, kind of your... always always your favorite is the one you're good at isn't it yeah <laughs> I was always good at English because <laughs> well, I discovered in my prep for this podcast yeah. you've written a children's book I have yeah yeah three three yeah, that's what I used to do in my downtime prior to becoming a parent. <laughs> when you had downtime. Now I don't have downtime, or not so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I did write children's books. Do you know, that that came about really funny, actually, because I never set out to publish it. I wrote a book for my mum. So she owned this house in Gozo, which is where the book is based. Um, and is that the little island near Malta exactly yes yeah it's kind of like the same sort of size as Jersey actually off of Malta and um they had this holiday home out there and they used to spend quite a lot of time out there and you know it's just really lovely um you know dragonflies everywhere you know all the stray cats and things and you know I know people say don't touch the cats but I touch the cats you know I, I you know love all of that it was a beautiful place to be. And um, when I went on holiday there, my mum always like feeds the lizards and the, um, and the dragonflies and stuff that come in the garden. So it's going to make her sound crazy. She honestly isn't. And um, when I was there, I just was like inspired. And I thought, oh, I'm going to write. And I've always enjoyed writing, you know, thought, you know, thought I may even do journalism when I was younger. Um, and I thought I'm going to, I'm just going to write her a, a, a fun story about the characters that are around her property. And so I wrote it um, and then I had um, some illustrations done by someone I knew over here and and then I gave it to her. But then a few people had read it by then and they were like, why didn't you publish it? Why didn't you just? And I thought, oh, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I will. And then I wrote a couple afterwards as well. So it was literally, it was a Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> they got out of hand. <laughs> they got very out of hand because it ended up getting published. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, because I was wondering if kind of, writing was something that you'd intended to do but I wasn't expecting you to say that you wrote a book for a Christmas present it was literally a Christmas present it was you know it was supposed to be sort of a nice sort of Christmas present that I knew she would appreciate it would be a bit funny because it was about the creatures that were in their home um and yeah it did it got a little bit out of hand but in a nice way and I thought you know what it's really good I love writing I do actually you know um and so being able to kind of put a creative spin on it and, and be sort of fun 
is actually good. And actually, you know, now, now I have a four-year-old, um, you know, I wrote before he was born or even, you know, before I even met my husband, actually. And so it's uh, it's interesting now reading him the books. It's quite funny. And then he takes them into nursery. It's quite sweet. I kind of thought you might have written it when you'd had him. No, before. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, there's a creative mind in there sometimes. <laughs> well, that kind of leads me on to my next question, I think, which is, do you, did you, I guess you talked about your parents having their own businesses. So kind of there's that work ethic to kind of want to do something for yourself. But did you see yourself when you were growing up doing something like what you do now? No, do you know, I don't think I ever really thought about what I would be doing now. I mean, I left school. I didn't go to university or college. Um, I left school and I, I knew I just wanted a job. I remember my mum took me to BNI, which is like a business networking um, event in the UK. And I remember them all standing up um, and, you know, talking a couple of minutes about their business. And obviously that's very common, but I was maybe 15 at the time. And I was like, this is, that's it. I've made my mind up. I'm not going to college. I'm not going to university because I hadn't decided what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to waste my time. I knew I just wanted to go into the workplace. And I was like watching everyone do it. I thought, right this is where I belong. I need to be here. Um, and funny enough, there was a lady there who had a small motor trade business and she needed like kind of like an office assistant manager type thing. It was a small body shop. Um, and she said, well, why don't you come and work for me? And so I did. And I attended those meetings on her behalf going forward um, and worked there for a while. Um, and you That's know, what, I went, this, isn't it? it was brilliant though, because working for a really small business, you know, you get to be involved in everything, you know, from managing the workshop to um, the team, to the invoicing, to the ordering, to everything. So, you know, at such a young age, you know, I was 16 straight out of school, you know, working with her and just learning, you know, everything about having a business almost being flung in all di directions was ideal for me. That's that was what I wanted to do. And I was just so lucky that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, so that's really where it started. And, and then my um, kind of passion for the motor trade really came about, which really a path to my career in the motor trade, really, which, you know, was did it for many, many years after that. It's so <laughs> interesting, isn't it? I love those moments where, like, your mum takes you to this networking event <laughs> and you happen to meet this lady. Yeah. And just those moments that can completely change the direction things go in, like yeah. sliding doors, right? It's like you, what you wanted it to be. I remember it all so well, the guys who worked there, her name, the business name, how much I earned, you know, pretty shocking. But it didn't matter. I loved it. And, you know, I used to travel so far to get to work because I didn't drive. You know, I used to have to get two trains, walk like 40 minutes. I mean, it was really, really far. Um, but every day I was just like, loved it didn't resent any of it <laughs> I love that and I guess like you say it's that insight into all the different hats you've got to wear when you run a business yeah until you do it you don't realize quite how many hats there are do you so that must have like really put you a step ahead it was great and then I just wanted to you know that I think that was when my passion for motor trade really came about and um so as I said I worked in in the motor trade and that's eventually what led me to Jersey actually was it? Yeah, the most trade, yeah. So did you come here for a job then? 
Yeah, so after after I worked at the body shop for, I don't know how long I was there for, but, you know, a, a while, um, I went and worked for um, BMW um, on their service side. And then I got the opportunity to work for Audi and was one of the youngest customer service advisors for Audi, the, you know, accredited um, service advisors for Audi. I think I was 18, 19, something like that. Um, and I was just, you know, really passionate about customer service, really passionate about motor trade. So kind of everything had sort of just sort of come together, even though I was quite young still. Um, and so I worked for Mercedes, Audi and BMW before moving, moving over to Jersey. And I was actually headhunted um, by Jacksons or, or by the recruitment agency who worked on by Jacksons. They actually contacted, they were looking for someone who had multi-franchise experience. Mm. And, you know, someone from the UK, all the motor trade is very, very separate. There's nothing yeah. all on one roof like it is in Jersey. Um, no, we, we don't have enough space for all the different dealerships. Well, I almost didn't believe them when they were like, it's all in one place. I was like, no, they don't allow that because it's brand conflict. Um, and they were like, no, it really it is. And they, they're they looking for someone who's got multi-brand experience. Who can talk about Audi, who can talk about BMW. Who yeah. can talk about- Would you be interested? And I was like, well, you don't get a call like that every day. Um I will go for the interview and I will just see how I feel. So I did. Went for the interview, got fog bound. Um, don't live in the Channel Islands. <laughs> fog is an issue for us here. We yeah. do often sit in airports when there's fog. <laughs> oh, I, did. I was late there and then I didn't get home. Um, but it's fine. A night in the Place sold. And the next morning they offered me the job. <laughs> And so I took it, um, and uh, and and I so I rented my house out because um, I'd moved out by then. Um, rented my house out and moved over. It was literally as simple as that. I thought I can always just move back if I need to, but I, I must have been feeling brave because I don't know if I do that now I'm older. But I did just literally pack everything up and, and come over on my own. That's the thing, though, isn't it? When you're young, you don't have as much fear. I do. Yeah. I find that every year I get older. I'm scared of more things and I have to really think to myself, you weren't scared of this 10 years ago, Jackie. Yeah. Get your head together, you're fine. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? It really is. You just think, I just didn't think about it. It was just, you know, it almost sounds a little bit um, irresponsible, you know, just rent it out, you know, hope that your dad's got some room in the loft to put all your stuff in because I certainly do. I couldn't rent the house out with everything in it. And I just took a suitcase over and moved and yeah I cannot even imagine thinking about doing something like that now but you know it felt the right thing and an easy thing to do then and so like your career has been pretty cool then the different brands you've worked with and stuff have you ever had anyone kind of who's been a bit of a mentor for you along the way lots to be honest I think you know I think right from I have to you know both my parents obviously from a young age obviously have, have taught really good ethics so I, I think that has to fit in there I, I definitely have aspired to what they've achieved um, and the things that they've done um, but also you know everyone you work with or meet really everyone's got something great about them and I try and you know remember all the good things and, and also know what I haven't liked and perhaps not how to behave um, if I haven't liked it so it's been a bit of both and I would say the motor trade did help me become quite thick-skinned. You know, a female in that world then um, was not as common as it is now, and it was becoming more common. But it, you know, I was 
one of the only females um, and in some places the only female. And, you know, that wasn't always well received by customers um, because they wanted a guy because they were used to a guy knowing about cars and perhaps not female. And even from the, you know, guys in the workshop, for example, again, you know, occasionally I had my own battles with um, gaining respect um, until they realised that actually, no, she knows it's fine. What she's not about, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it takes a while. So I definitely learned to be a bit more thick-skinned um, through that. So, yeah, mental-wise, I think, you know, lots of um, lots of different influences, to be honest, um, throughout my life. Even now, you know, I'm changing, you know, and meeting new people and think, oh, I really aspire to what you're doing or I really think you're doing really great. I really want to learn from you. And, yeah, always, always changing. <laughs> It's funny what you're saying about the motor trade being like super male dominated because I think it's always that place, isn't it, that as a woman, I've got a great garage I go to, so I'm not talking about them if they're listening. They are fantastic. (laughs) Please be nice to my car next time I bring it in. But that feeling of rocking up and being like, what's wrong with my car? And they're kind of looking for the man that's with you to tell them. (laughs) Tell me I'm paying for it. And you hope it's a little bit better now, but... You know, sometimes definitely, I definitely had my fair share of um, frustration, actually. Um, you know, I would get quite, I'd probably upset at times, you know, not, not in front of them, but afterwards, like, why, what, what do I need to do to prove to them that, you know, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. In a way, about. it's kind of good, isn't it? Because that gives you a bit of a, if it's all easy and everything swims by easily, you don't learn as much, do you? And it kind of gives yeah. you, like, I don't know about you, but if somebody underestimates me or... Yeah, it kind of gives me a bit of a fire in my belly to be like definitely definitely yeah, yeah I've always been um quite determined <laughs> really Emma, I would never have thought that about you <laughs> and what about in your current role then so you have a business all things customer yeah which pretty much does what it says on the tin yeah definitely yeah a bit of a Ron Sill approach yeah so customer insights customer journey reviews customer experience reviews customer service training, anything customer, you know, from implementing CRM systems, contact channels, and improving operational efficiency, really. So, you know, customers are impacted in every single way and every part of the business, really. Um, So it it is a little bit of everything. um, But I'm kind of stripping it back and kind of looking at, you know, a particular journey, if, if one needs a particular um, you know, if one has got a bit, of, a bit of an issue, perhaps, then I might look at that one, or I can do like a full review of everything post, during, and pre-purchase, um, or even just understanding, you know, who their customers are. You know, some people don't even know who their customers are, so it can be even right back at the very beginning, understanding who the customers are, what they want, what kind of services and products they they want you to offer. Are they going to return? Do they recommend you? You know, NPS, those types of things, one-off or a regular measure. So just kind of helping businesses with with that, um, you know, I've been doing that in my career and being able to do that for lots of businesses is definitely really interesting. You learn a lot about different sectors and different businesses and how they work. Um, so I found that really valuable myself. Well, that's kind of how we met, right? Because obviously mm-hmm. I'm marketing and comms and my agency, Inkblot, that's kind of what we're about. And we have loads of conversations about the customer because like you say, it's one thing to be like, we're customer focused. Yes. And it's another thing to actually do things to make your customer's life easier. So, yes. yeah, I find that really interesting. And when we met, when you were telling me about all the things you do, it's just fascinating. And do you do you find it easy to stay 
connected to that kind of being the voice of the customer and kind of helping businesses with that? Is that an easy thing for you or do you need to remind yourself? No, I, I find it, it's kind of, it's part of me, I think. So in that sense, you know, as far as thinking about that, it becomes second nature. I find myself, even as a customer walking into a shop, I'm forever in my head fixing things. Um, <laughs> I never just embrace that experience. I'm I'm always, you know, living as if I'm working it, um, you know, for whatever reason it's just there I don't like that about advertising don't worry switch it off can you it just doesn't go anywhere um sometimes I wish I could but I I can't um and you know whenever I do work with a business I really kind of embrace the brand and you know really try and be part of that business and you know be as one rather than necessarily standing alone and whilst I'm being those fresh eyes um, and bringing something new into the business you know, I am immersing myself into that brand and really understanding it and thinking everything through. Um, and that's something I is, you know, one of like my USPs, if you like, is one of the things that I'm really passionate about. And hopefully um, the reason why maybe, you know, clients like to work with me is because I do actually care about their business. I'm not just, you know, one hit wonder in out and, and that's it. I actually really care about what they're doing and I want them to succeed, whether it's with them or without me, I want them to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's ace. And you mentioned before that your brother, and I feel sorry for Emma's brother because I've not met him, but you <laughs> said that um, he's a bit married to his job. Oh, yeah. Do you reckon you are or are you good at kind of detaching? I'm better now. I am, you know, now that I'm a parent, In you know, in some ways, I think um, I have been married to jobs in the past for sure. Um, and, you know, even when I worked for Feel Unique, to be honest, I was very much married to the job, you know, um, you know, I had my son during that period as well, and I still find it found it quite difficult. But I think it depends on um, on the work as well, you know, because at Food Unique it was a website, e-commerce, it was live all the time. I had a team that worked seven right? days a week, three hundred and sixty-four days a year. The only day off was Christmas Day, and so you know, whilst I might not have been physically in the office on those days because there was a shift, you know, they were working eight to eight. You know, I wasn't obviously in 264 days a year, eight to late, but I felt I could never switch off in case they needed me, in case the site had any issues. For whatever reason, I, I definitely found that, um, a, you know, a struggle in some ways because I cared so much about my team and about the business. So I definitely did struggle to kind of switch off. In fact, I, I kind of didn't. Um, so I am better now, but, you know, I can easily get sucked in for absolute sure. <laughs> I think that that's the life of running a business though, isn't it? That it's that constant battle of when you're working, you feel like you're not doing enough. And when you're not working, you feel guilty for not working, but then you feel guilty when you are working that you're not doing all the things with your close people that you should yeah. be doing. It's just like a constant. <laughs> it is a constant. You're guilty about everything. But I do try particularly, you know, at the weekends, um, you know, definitely spending time with you know with with our little one definitely um you know even if it's taking him you know swimming or soccer dots I'm trying to sort of like completely switch off um from that and really immerse that because you never get that time back either and I don't want him to see me as permanently attached to my phone or not at all focused on what on what he's doing because you know that in my opinion would make me not the best parent so it is definitely a little bit of a juggling act between the roles <laughs> yeah and I guess also it's a good incentive, right, to detach when there's a little person going, Mom, will you do this with me? Like, you've got a good reminder that he needs yeah. the focus. Definitely, yeah. But 
being a mum and a wife and a business owner, what do you do to like just turn off? I suppose, you know, I am um, quite enjoy just like sitting on the sofa with a nice takeaway with my husband or something like that. Really love that, to be honest. Um, friends, you know, I love going out for dinner and some cocktails with friends, to be honest. I really do miss that. Although I've definitely been embracing this lockdown, um, you know, walking with friends when we can and, uh, you know, on Saturday, was it Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night. My friend and I, we actually had a socially distanced Indian takeaway on a bench in St. Obens, if anyone saw oh, that. I um, love that for you. I just thought we needed it. And I think it's important for your mental health, isn't it? We walked, you know, to St. Obens, got the takeaway, sat on the bench, and, you know, it was freezing. I can't remember. It was absolutely freezing. Walking back was not comfortable at all. Um, but I just really needed it. It just felt like a tiny little bit of normality. Obviously, there's nothing normal about sitting on a bench outside having an Indian takeaway. But but there was also something very normal about just sitting with a friend and having a drink and actually giggling about something that you would never have done a year ago. Um, and I think that was really important. I definitely think a few bits like that, walking, catching up with some friends, has definitely been... Um, been good for switching off particularly in this current time where it's quite difficult it's just a bit weird isn't it it is it's really hard you're really trying to think of things you know that you wouldn't normally do but will kind of put a little bit of fun into everyday life as well everyone you talk to you're not just like what did you do today we went for a walk we went to the grocery shop and then the next question is what have you had for dinner because like what else are you going to talk about (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely um yeah it's definitely been interesting and we've been locked up a little bit more than the average family because um, my husband's in the severely vulnerable category so he's got a lung condition something that's never really impacted us before because he's always you know has his medication and you know and that that's absolutely fine but unfortunately because it's lungs and the coronavirus attacks the lungs um, it's kind of flung him almost into full isolation pretty much the most of the year. Um, so he's not out as much as, you know, he, he as me, say, you know, because I need to still get some fresh air. And obviously with a little one, you need to get out. So he's been in much, much more. So we have been trying to think out of the box of sort of some safe ways that we could get out as a family um, so that we can still have some family time together as well as some fresh air. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And I think that if lockdown and Corona's taught us anything is no matter how fed up you are in your house, there's someone that's probably been in their house for a year at this point. So yeah, yeah. any little bit of fresh air you can get is a blessing, isn't it? Even if it is just a curry on a park bench, which I love. Yeah, curry on a bench, yeah get me. You know, it felt really classy. But you know, it was it was great fun. <laughs> it's too cold for me though. I, I am cold. I'm not I'm not good with the cold and I've got to say that the um, I live on my own so my whole you know first lockdown daily bracing walks to get out yeah the minute it got cold that went out the window (laughs) to be fair first lockdown it was beautiful weather and now it's not so much fun is it no I'm definitely much more of the Netflix and a blanket variety (laughs) (laughs) and what about kind of so we've talked a bit about kind of how you ended up doing what you're doing and how you keep connected to kind of real life not just work life but what about the future have you got any kind of big goals for well any kind of big goals life ones work ones yeah so I mean I only started you know this business full-time in April 
uh, last year. So I still feel like I'm achieving the goals that I initially set out, which is, you know, trying to make this business a success, work with, um, you know, really interesting clients, um, you know, help them as much as possible. Um, and, you know, so I feel like I'm achieving the little goals that I wanted to achieve and, I, and that I'm still achieving them. I also don't um, think they're little goals, by the way. Well, you know, no, but maybe not hugely massive at this stage. You know, they are like, you know, I'm more one step at a time. And <laughs> you yeah, know, but when you've gone from, you know, in March last year, you didn't have a business. Yeah. And yeah. now you have a business. It's pretty cool. It. July 2019 was when I set the business up and I, I did it sort of like alongside my full-time role, a uh, little bit of a taste, I suppose, and just, um, you know, picked up some clients and thought, oh, this is just so interesting. I just love it. Um, and so that that's kind of really where it went. But so I think, yeah, the, the goals for this year is, you know, the climate's still really difficult. So I'm trying not to set my ambitions too, too high and fail because that's always demoralizing, isn't it? Um, you know, last year did not in any way go how I thought it would be because as soon as I was, you know, full time in this business, literally lockdown happened. Um, and, you know, being able to get out and network as I had planned to or, you know, meet the people that I wanted to, none of that really happened. Um, and even businesses that I had lined up, you know, their businesses closed and therefore I, I wasn't going to be able to work with them anymore. And, you know, that's obviously far worse for them. And I felt for them. Um, but it was just everything was just unexpected and every business was impacted in their, in their own way. So it's still kind of living you know day by day and enjoying working with the clients that I have you know some things that I'm doing right now is working with leadership jersey on the state of leadership in jersey and you know I've really enjoyed that and it's really been a pleasure to work with Kevin Keenan and Joe um and so it's been really nice to kind of connect with them and you know work alongside them on this project um and there was the reports out now or it will be out we're trying to raise some money for Beresford Street Kitchen as well so we're selling the report and then all proceeds are going to them so I'm really enjoying you know being part of of that um got some other sort of exciting things planned this year which sadly I can't talk about but hopefully in the next sort of month I love it <laughs> um so that you know those kind of things and just continuing you know working with clients and hopefully working with, with some new ones I really enjoyed working with um, Parish of St Helier on the Christmas consumer results as well you know really difficult time of year for them to negotiate how the festive season was going to be even though it was just so important for the public to feel festive in some way um mm. so really different year for them to try and navigate so it was really interesting to be doing the consumer research for that and the surveys to you know understand how people felt um you know how how what would encourage them to shop locally and how they felt about the the town center so you know those kind of things i just want to continue doing that and they're things that interest me, which then makes everything just really enjoyable. And you mentioned before, so the um, for those of our listeners that aren't in Jersey, so Leadership Jersey is like an organisation that is all about leadership in Jersey. Another does what it says on the Tim business, which yeah. is great. <laughs> and, um, they did a survey kind of to everyone, wasn't it, to well, ask about so the Yeah, yeah, just basically assessing the state of leadership in Jersey. Um, and you know, it was it was great, you know, when they said, you know, we, we really want to do a survey, you know, you, you've got the expertise, would you like to be part of this? Would you like to do it? I was like, yeah, absolutely. This is right on my street. Um, and so it's, 
you know the results have been really really interesting and we've I've enjoyed kind of really the, the you know it was big analysis put it like that because we broke it right down into gender as well so you know I can't tell you how much time I've spent analyzing this but it was also fascinating you know breaking it down to not just male and female you know the boss gender but also from you know how male bosses with female you know male respondents with female bosses feel and you know literally breaking down all the segments so it's been really really interesting and um you know and just knowing that like 91 percent of people would prefer to work for a leader than a manager those kind of things you know and maybe people think oh of course they would but actually that's really high that people feel that way and some of those kind of key attribute questions we asked you know about you know whether they're authentic or if they're visionary you know scores are quite low and they're really key drivers of leaders so it's you know there's definitely work to be done well it shows a gap doesn't it so most people 91 percent, want a leader to run their business yeah yet not most people are not seeing those attributes in place so that's really fascinating but what i love as well is that you've said that that you're selling the results for charity so barefoot street is amazing um charity here in jersey but you've done a lot of stuff for charity emma I do. I love working with charities and, you know, I'm passionate about lots. So, it, you know, I could go on all day about it. Um, and Beresford Street Kitchen, the reason we've chosen them is, is mainly because they're obviously providing, um, you know, opportunities and support for, for those, to, you know, to, to be employed. And so that, along with the leadership survey, felt like a really good fit. Yeah, it's a, like a social enterprise, isn't it? So. Exactly. People who have learning difficulties or special needs who it's kind of a an employment scheme almost through yeah. this really really cool business. Definitely, definitely. So that's the reason why I thought this would be a really, really good fit for for raising funds for that. Um, you know, and in the past I've raised money for Jersey Teenage Cancer Trust and also Jersey Hospice Care. So I used to and maybe will again one day revive yes. um organised uh, Jersey by invitation only. So it was a ladies only annual lunch. Um and well to be honest it was it was amazing. Um I organised it the first year that I came over here. Um it was something that we used to do back in the UK. My mum and I actually um started it when I was 16, so it was really, really long time ago. Um and when I moved to Jersey, I thought I'm gonna do it here. The difficulty here is I didn't know a soul when I moved here. Um, but it definitely helped me get to know people. And you know, the first year was quieter, but you know, it was the one of the biggest events that the Royal Yacht have ever held. Um, you know, we literally, I was turning people away, um, you know, because people wanted tickets and I just couldn't fit them in and I wish I could because it would earn more money. But I did like a 50-50 thing. So say a ticket's £50, £25 would pay for your meal and, um, you know, you know a meal on your ticket of entry, for example, and then £25 would, would go into the charity. And that's how I was able to donate so much to the charity because I was trying to was- make it. £61,000. Over £61,000, yeah. And to the cancer charities, you know, the by invitation only group, if you like, so the ones that we did in the UK and the ones over here is over 200000 yeah. So That's it's an been, insane amount of money. Yeah, it's been a really, you know, a big part of my life, really, actually. Um, and, you know, I loved it. It was a huge yeah, it's enormous. You know, event to organise, you know, 
events can be they, they really do take up a lot of time you know trying to sort raffle prizes trying to sort a band trying to sort all the things that you know organize and i'm a total perfectionist and a control freak i'm not gonna lie anyone who knows me knows that um and so would i accept help did i know um i just i wanted you know i <laughs> wanted it to be absolutely perfect um and i couldn't let it go because it was like my baby i suppose um and so it was you know it it you know was fantastic um and i loved every little bit of it um but perhaps became a tiny bit too much uh, which is when i decided to take a break <laughs> i feel like um once we can all be in rooms together again people are going to want nothing more than a nice lunch yeah. in a nice hotel and listening to a band for charity. So I yeah. feel like your time is coming to start numbers ticking up. I do think about it. You know, I think about it all the time. I think, oh, is, should I revive it? Would people still come? You know, and it's got a good reputation. Um, so I'd like to think people would say, oh, yes, we loved that. We'd come back um, and, you know, raise more funds. I think that would be brilliant. Um, I, I, it's definitely... It, it's definitely not completely dead in the water for sure. I just need it to be at a time when I can really dedicate um, everything to it and make sure that it's completely successful and that it is going to be, you know, really profitable for the charities. I think it's really interesting because from talking to you today, you started off by telling me that when you were 15, you went to a networking event, got a job and then started going on behalf of the business, right? I'm 15. Most 15 year olds won't even walk into a room and talk to anybody, like, like even their family, let alone people they don't know. And then you move to Jersey, you don't know anyone. Yeah. And you somehow set up an event where you raise over the course of the years, you've been doing it over £61,000 charity. So I get the feeling that you're quite good at making connections with people. <laughs> I, I like I like meeting people and talking to people. Um, so yeah, I I'm not always the most confident person in the room, but I will certainly put myself out there if it, you know. And if I'm passionate and driven enough to do something, I, I will do my absolute best. You know, you don't always succeed, do you? But I will know always know that I've tried. I just think it's really cool. I don't think there's many people that would turn up in a new country and be like. I'm going to start a lunch and raise money for charity. I don't know anyone. I'm thinking. <laughs> Good for you. I was going to say, when you do it, again, I want a ticket. I'll have a table. Okay, brilliant. Sounds great. I'll hold you to that. Uh, I think yeah. I was really lucky as well that the women who did come, you know, because it was a ladies' event, um, it they really embraced it and came back year on year. And, you know, that's part of the success, really, because if they didn't come back and buy into it, it would never have, you know, achieved what it did. Um, and so, you know, that was fundamentally the success of it, the fact that, you know, they were really behind it and, and you know, kept coming back because I didn't know anyone. Um, so I was just really, really lucky that I met some absolutely fantastic people um, who who really kind of embraced it and really enjoyed it and, you know, anyone in the, you know, on the second weekend of March, um, who would have walked around the yacht, uh, which is where I used to hold the event, would hear a whole lot of laughter and craziness going on. <laughs> Being full of women. Oh, yeah, with hundreds of women. Hundreds, yeah. Like 270 women, you know, in one room, um, you know, enjoying an afternoon, raising money, you know, have a few drinks with their friends and, and you know <laughs> more than a few drinks I think <laughs> oh it sounds amazing and I think you know you're saying about they really buy into it and that's kind of the the whole thing about connection right yeah 
like you know once you meet someone and you buy into them you kind of bring people with you don't you it's like a spider web it just grows and grows and grows which is really amazing and especially when you're doing it for such amazing causes as well it was good fun so another thing I found out about you Emma when I was doing a little bit of research was that you've got a bit of a link to the bats at Jersey Zoo what's that all about (laughs) So when I um, worked for HSBC International, I project managed the build of that back tunnel from HSBC side. So I worked with Daryl. And yeah, we built it. First sustainable building of its kind in the Channel Islands. Um, In fact, it was only like the second or third one that had been built ever. Um, And it was fascinating. We had this guy over from the UK who had been on Grand Designs and had built a house out of tyres um, and mud, literally, fully sustainable. And he came over and told us how to do it. And so we decided that that was what we were going to do. And we were going to make it a completely tangible project, um, you know. And so we set out for trying to make everybody who worked for HSBC in Jersey take part, you know, as long as they wanted to. So we had sort of like 20, 30 volunteers up there every day over a four-month period. So it took around 400 volunteers over four months um, to build it. It was a huge, the biggest project that they've been involved in. Um, But, you know, it was absolutely amazing. And I was up there living and breathing it every day. um, And it was absolutely brilliant fun. Never did I think I would be involved in something like that. But it was absolutely amazing and a really, really great project. Everyone loved it. Everyone who went up there really got, you know, felt the rewards of being part of you know of something so important at the zoo when I um was a kid so our listeners that aren't in Jersey Jersey Zoo also known as the Durrell Conservation Trust if you've seen the Durrells on telly Gerald Durrell was the guy that started the zoo and um I the bats were always my favorite thing when I was a kid I used to love going up yeah because I used to think they were really funny when they like lie on the floor and eat the fruit and I used to love (laughs) So um, I always go and see the bats when I go to the zoo. And I didn't know that you were the one that had organised it. But let's talk about bats as customers. Were there like any pernickety things you really had to think about? (laughs) It was definitely different. Um, Really just making sure they were safe. So the the objectives for for this project really is that they couldn't fly in their old um, habitat. So they couldn't fly at all. They were getting fat. They weren't breeding. Um, and also the public viewing area was absolutely shocking. Um, and, you know, people weren't enjoying them. Like, it's great that you really love them. But actually, people were just going for the monkeys or gorillas or orangutans. <laughs> and everyone would be like, oh, I'm not going to see the bats. Um, and it's a real shame, really. Um, so just thinking of them from that point of view, just needed to make sure that they had enough space to fly, that they were happy, um, you know, that they you know, again, flying at the exercise so they weren't putting on weight, then help them with the breeding as well. So they, you know, the objectives for them. So for them as customers, they were the most important things for them. And you really keep them active. <laughs> Luckily, no yeah, so they can have babies. And they did, they breed, they bred. Um, and there was a little bat up there called Emma um at the end that, uh, you know, the mammal keeper uh, named one of the bats after me, which was quite exciting and I got to feed him banana I don't think she's there anymore though I've, I've got a feeling that he said that they because because obviously they breed and then they um help other zoos um so 
I've got a feeling she may not be there anymore. Um, when I last asked, he, he thought that she had gone. Um, but I still love going up there. Yeah, she's gone on to Pastures New, but taken your name with her, which is very yeah, exciting. she's somewhere, she's somewhere. Um, but it was lovely to be able to, you know, be part of that. It was a great project to be part of. So we've had such a good chat. I've really enjoyed talking to you. You too. Um, but before we wrap up, how can people find out more about you and what you do? I'll put all the info in the show notes, but where can we find more about you? Um, so probably website, probably the best thing. Um, so www.allthingscustomer.co.uk. Um, and then there's all my contact details and LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all on there. So, you know, anyone feel free to reach out. Well, it's been so lovely talking to you. And uh, having me. You're very welcome. I've loved it. And hopefully I'll see you again soon. hopefully you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as i enjoyed making it you can tune in every week on apple Podcasts, spotify or stitcher for the next free episode and why not subscribe now so you don't miss out if you really enjoyed this episode then please don't forget to leave it a five-star review because they really do help and why not head over to instagram share the episode with your family and friends and tag us too thanks for listening and don't forget to stay connected